Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of CastingAcross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Well, today is a special episode. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different, something I've only done once before on the podcast, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but I, I want to preface it with this. When I decided to do the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast a few years ago as a supplement to the website and my writing on a weekly basis... I wanted to take a different approach to a fly fishing podcast. That's nothing against what I hear out there. In fact, I truly respect a lot of the podcasts that exist within the fly fishing space. And what I hear and what I see is the majority of them are either interview-based or conversation-based. And so I didn't want to retread. I didn't want to rehash that. That's not to say that you can't have multiple podcasts that exist in that same space, but I wanted to offer up something a little bit different. Now, of course, I have plenty of interviews and kind of uh, conversations that appear in written form on castingacross.com, but as far as the podcasts go, I want that to be something different, something uh, shorter, something quicker, and something just uh, a little bit of an alternative to what is currently out there. So that being said, without further ado, we're going to have this week on the podcast my second set of interviews ever in the 100 episodes of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. And it is going to be two repeat guests and a brand new guest. So let me introduce them. Actually, tell you what, let me have them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Timothy. And how old are you, Timothy? I am eight years old. Hi, I'm Daniel. And how old are you, Daniel? Six. Hi, I'm Caleb. How old are you, Caleb? Four. All right, so you guys have heard from Timothy before and Daniel before, but Caleb, this is his first time on the podcast. And actually, everybody's older now um, than, than the last time. Well, obviously, they're older, but everyone's a year older. And so one of the things I write about often on castingacross.com and I speak about on the podcast is how my fishing is impacted by my kids. So I have four boys. Uh, Judah is the youngest, but he is not even two. He would not make for great conversation. Trust me, he talks quite a bit, but not the kind of thing that you would want to put out on the internet. I thought it was was prudent, and I thought it was a good idea, and I thought that uh, you would enjoy it to kind of hear from their perspective what uh, fly fishing 
is like, what fishing and being outdoors and fishing with me is like. So my first question uh, is actually to Timothy because he said something that I thought was important and worth discussing a little bit on the podcast and just in general the other day. So Timothy, what was your observation about fishing and fly fishing the other day? I observed that fishing is easier than fly fishing because it's a little more automatic. Okay, so when you say fishing versus fly fishing, what kind of fishing are you talking about? Like fishing with lures. Okay, so fishing with lures. So you've actually been doing a lot of that this summer, and where have you been doing that? Up at a lake. And why are you up at the lake? Because our friends live there. Okay, very good. And what have you been catching up at that lake? A couple bluegill and two bass. Fantastic. I, I heard that you had some very large bass on, and what happened? They got away before I could land them. Well, you still got some little bass, so that's okay. But that, we, we all lose fish from time to time. But you have been uh, fishing from, from what? What have you been fishing from the shore, from a boat? How have you been fishing? I have been fishing from a dock. And how many other people are on the dock with you usually? Like four. And so you found it much easier to fish with lures, with a, a spinning and spin casting rod than you have with fly fishing. And, and why is that? Because in fly fishing, you have to like have more space. And in regular fishing, you just have to have like a couple feet. Okay, so... That has made it much easier, and you guys have been doing it a lot by yourself. And when we go fly fishing, Daniel, what happens a lot of the times when we go fly fishing, when you guys are casting, because you're still learning to cast, even though you guys have fly fished quite a bit, you're learning to cast. So what happens usually when we're trying to cast with a fly rod? It gets tangled. <laughs> Do you know I get tangled a lot too? Yeah. Yeah. But but so ha what have you been doing this summer for fishing, Daniel? I've been fishing at the dock at the dock also and what kind of fish have you been catching i was there like millions of little fish little sunfish and i tried it one time and we didn't catch any <laughs> yes there's, there are millions of little sunfish so now you guys you've been doing well you've been catching lots of fish up the lake we've fished when we were in virginia uh this summer we've done uh, some fishing here uh and uh, close to home but somebody who has kind of showed you up is this guy so um caleb uh when was your birthday tomorrow tomorrow no your birthday was last month right yeah and uh what what did you get for your birthday that has to do with fishing a, f a fishing pack a fishing pack. Do you remember what company makes your fishing pack? Vitavu. That's right, Vitavu. And what color is your Vitavu pack? Orange. That's right, orange. It's orange like a lot of my packs from Vitavu are orange. And so uh, after your birthday, the day after, the day of, we had cake and we had Chinese food and we did a lot of fun stuff as a family. And the day afterwards, you and I went out and on like your second or third cast, what'd you catch? A fish. Do you remember what kind of fish it was? A sunfish. A sunfish. So that was the first fish you caught on your own with fly fishing gear. It was the day after your birthday. We've caught other fish when I've had my hand on it and stuff like that, but that was your first fish. And uh, who, who came with you on that fishing trip? Who was riding in your pack? Baby Yoda. 
<laughs> you got Baby Yoda to come with you. And actually, that was really cool. That picture's been, made its way around the internet. Some uh, some of our friends in the fly fishing world have picked that up and have shared that. And that's a picture of Caleb fishing on his the day after his fourth birthday, catching some fish. What are some other cool things you remember about catching that fish or going fishing that day? It hitted me. <laughs> the fish hitted you? <laughs> that's right, because we threw it back and what did it do with its tail? Slap on a rock. It slapped on it was it was sitting close to a rock, so when it was flapping its tail, what happened with the water? Uh, it got on my eye a little. It got on your eye a little. Yeah. Well, that's kind of just a, a casualty of war. So anyway, so Caleb uh, has great success. Since he started fly fishing on his own, he has a very, very high catch rate. Okay. Uh, another question that I uh, wanted to ask you guys about is something that we don't do all the time because to be honest with you, I'm not great at it. And so it's hard to um, feel like I'm, I'm confident in this uh, because I'm not great at it, but I'm kind of learning along with you. And that is fly tying. Uh, Timothy, what, are you, what do you think about fly tying? I think that it's great and it it's worth the time even though it, you might not get to use it like the day after you tie it that's kind of frustrating to tie up a bunch of flies and just have them sitting on their boxes what um what kind of flies do you enjoy tying i enjoy tying beetles and grasshoppers and woolly boogers fantastic daniel how about you um what kind of uh, flies do you like to tie beetles and Grasshoppers and squirmy wormies. <laughs> squirmy wormies. And um, what uh, what is your favorite thing about fly tying? Wrapping thread materials. Wrapping thread and materials. It's nice when everything goes on there right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Caleb, you uh, you've been tying a little bit too, haven't you? Yeah. And what's your favorite part about tying flies? Green things and. Coming up with new flies. You guys are are very creative and inventive, all of you. I'm 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 always impressed. And if you see some of the flies that are in magazines and are on Instagram, I think you guys are very very close to hitting uh, hitting some of those marks as far as creativity goes. So Timothy, you you mentioned something. Uh, you like to use a certain material when you tie your beetles and your grasshoppers. What material is that? Foam. And what's so great about using foam? I like how it. Goes down easily. I like how in between the wraps it like pops up. So it's kind of cool because it's kind of an easy material to work with, and you can, I mean, you guys create flies that look just like the flies we get at the fly shop on your own um, because you use foam and thread and rubber legs, and that's really about it. So that's pretty cool. Oh, speaking about. Uh, foam beetles. So we have stopped using foam beetles for trout. We're still using foam beetles for panfish and, and bluegill and bass because they're still going after those things. And they just, they'll eat anything that's that's in front of them still at this time of the year in, in October when we're recording this. But the last time we used foam bugs for trout was at the end of August at a little trout pond. It's a fly fishing only pond. And so there's some people out and everyone was kind of just being very, very delicate and trying to catch fish. And then uh, we showed up. And what happened, Daniel? I fell in the water. You fell in the water. How'd that happen? I was too close to the edge of the basically dock. Too close to the edge of the dock. And um, what happened? Um, so I 
I hurt my leg and then I fell in. So you hooked your leg and you fell in. So that is a, a dangerous part of fly fishing is that you might loop yourself up and fall. It kind of was like a cartoon. You you were very, very speedy and in, in how, how fast that happened. Timothy, have you ever uh, fallen in anything? I don't remember, but maybe. How about you, Caleb? Have you ever fallen in the water? No. Well, we have a lot of work to do. We, we are obviously not fishing enough if only two of us, myself and Daniel, have fallen in while we are fishing. All right, so uh, we are almost done with the season. Coronavirus kind of messed stuff up. Daddy hurt his leg, and that messed stuff up. But what would be some fishing-related thing that you would like to do uh, maybe next season uh, when things the weather gets nice again? Maybe go up like to the White Mountains and try to catch some trout. What kind of trout would you want to catch up in the White Mountains? Brookies. Brookies, very good. We go hiking up there a lot, don't we? But pretty soon they are going to close it to fishing. But that would be fun. How about how about you, Daniel? I would like to go up to to Virginia and see if there's any fish up there. Yep, that's where uh, we have some grandparents and some aunts and uncles and cousins that live. And there's some really really big fish in all the ponds there. What do you remember? What those big fish are? Bluegill bass. Carp. How big are the carp? Like humongous. We one meal fishing once we saw a bat, a carp's fin. They looked like what swimming around that pond? A shark. That's right. You guys thought there were sharks, but they were just giant grass carp. And you were cheering on Daddy as I was trying to get the cast out like seventy or seventy-five feet. But I don't think that would have worked really well uh, if I tried to hook a grass carp at seventy-five feet. How about you, Caleb? What kind of fishing things do you want to do the next time we have a chance to kind of do whatever we want in fishing? Catch a, a, a another rainbow fish. Catch another rainbow fish. The, so when you say rainbow fish, do you mean rainbow trout or the rainbow-colored sunfish that you caught? Sunfish. So sunfish are pretty great, aren't they? Yeah. What was one of the great things about catching that sunfish? It looked in like a rainbow color. So a lot of people think that trout are like the most amazing thing to catch, and trout are a lot of fun to catch. And like Timothy said, you know, the, the brook trout, especially this time of year in the fall, they have some of the most amazing colors that you can imagine. But you said something really, really important, Caleb, and that is that sunfish, and that can be either actual green sunfish or a fish called a pumpkin seed or a bluegill or any of their little buddies uh, are really, really pretty. And one of the awesome things about them is that they fight pretty hard. And actually, I think that inch for inch, pound for pound, a bluegill or a sunfish fights harder than a trout. I mean, imagine catching a 14-inch a sunfish. That would uh, really put a bend in the rod. Fights harder than largemouth bass, certainly harder than, than almost every trout that I've encountered. All right, guys. Well, we are kind of getting close to the three-quarter point of the podcast, and you guys listen to me all the time, so I don't expect that you listen to my podcast, you three boys. Uh, But at the end of every podcast, I offer up a recommendation, and it's everything from some fly fishing gear to a book that I like to even other podcasts. And so what I wanted to do, and uh, putting you on the spot for this, is uh, uh, your recommendations, what kids should have for fly fishing. So we'll go oldest, youngest with this. Timothy, what is your recommendation? 
It's a book called Down by the River. It's a boy. It's a story about a boy catching his first brown trout, and his grandpa was right there to get the fish in the net. That is a it is a great book. And uh, what's your favorite part of Down by the River, Daniel? Um, he catching it, and um, at the front, the the in back, there's like flies that you can look at, type of flies. Yeah, so the the just the inside the artwork before the book even there it's uh, it's really cool diagrams of different flies and uh, I catch you looking at that all the time. But that was Timothy's recommendation. What is your recommendation for kids what they need while they're fly fishing? If they get hungry, snacks. <laughs> what are your favorite snacks to have while you're fly fishing? Granola bar and a Johnny Ranger. Yes, Jolly Ranchers is a very uh, essential part of your fly fishing stuff. What happens, though, you usually take more than one, and then your pack gets hot, and what happens to the Jolly Rancher after it's been in your pack for too long? Well, I still eat them. You still eat them, but they do get very, very sticky. All right, and recommendation number three comes from Caleb. Caleb, what do you think that every little kid should have when they go fly fishing? Baby Yoda. To have Baby Yoda. Okay, well, and that's, I, I guess I can't argue with that, that Baby Yoda needs to come along for the ride. Okay, we've talked about some of our favorite things about fishing. We've talked about some product recommendations. We've talked about some funny stories about people falling in the water. The last thing I like to do on the podcast, whether it's an entire episode or at least just part of an episode, is gives people some tips and tricks about fishing. So I'm going to throw it to you guys. Uh, how about this? Where do you look to catch fish? So when you go up to a river or a pond or something like that, where do you try to catch fish? In like weeds and little pads. So, under little pads. Yeah, like not on top of them, but like in between them, right? Yeah. And what kind of fish at New England swim in between weeds and lily pads? Like pickerel. Yes, lots of pickerel. All right, Timothy, how about you? Rocks and docks. Rocks and docks. So how do you fish when you're fishing rocks? You would stand like on the opposite bank or just drop your fly in and just wait. And if you're on a dock, you would just do the same thing or just cast to the rocks on the other side. Very good. And how about you, Caleb? Where, where do you think you can find fish? Under the teeth, over the water. Under a tree, over the water. Well, that is some rock-solid advice, and I really appreciate it. All right, guys, uh, thank you very much. Do you want to say goodbye to everybody? Wale. Bye. Bye. So that was the four-year-old speaking in Latin. Well, thank you, guys. It was a lot of fun to have you on again and know that you are always in all the fly fishing stuff that I do in one way, shape, or form. Well, I hope that you all enjoyed listening to them. That is just a snippet of their energy, their vocabulary, and their perspectives on life. But if you have kids, you know that it is uh, just a, a real thrill and a real joy to share your passions with them. So why have an 8-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 4-year-old on the podcast? Well, it is because this is my 100th episode. I've been doing the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast for 100 episodes, week in, week out, uh, and it has been a lot of fun. I have really appreciated the feedback I've gotten, and I would just encourage more of that. Uh, I, I, I really do treasure uh, interacting with folks about fly fishing and about a lot of the peripheral things that I bring up on the podcast, and so 100 episodes is is a testament to just kind of buckling down and doing it but it's also 
something that I have to say thank you for because if zero people listened or if only a few people listened, I don't know if I would do it. I would. I think I would write even if nobody read, but doing the podcast is, uh, is a little bit different. So thank you so much for listening, for downloading, for subscribing, for rating and reviewing on iTunes. It is cool. I check in every once in a while and to see new ratings and reviews, I truly appreciate that keep suggestions coming. Some of my best episodes have been responses to uh, episode suggestions from you, the listener. So keep those coming. Matthew at castingacross.com. And again, I would encourage you to subscribe to the website so that you get the articles. It's every Monday and Wednesday. So you only get three emails from me a week. Uh, Monday and Wednesday are new articles, and Friday is just a reminder of the podcast. And it includes those links to the recommendations and to maybe some articles that I've written in the last five years of Casting Across that kind of correspond with what I'm talking about on that week's podcast. Also, I just say please pass the podcast along if you have a friend that you fish with or a Trout Unlimited group or a fly tying knitting circle, then uh, please uh, share the podcast with them. Uh, I kind of hit all over the place. So a couple episodes might be way over a beginner level and uh, another couple episodes might uh, be, you know, quote unquote beneath you. But hopefully the the mean level of the podcast hits a a pretty wide swath. That's kind of what I what I shoot for. This week, the first article was called New Fly Fishing Books. New Fly Fishing Books. And uh, there's actually no new fly fishing books on there, but I I decided to take all of my book reviews from nearly five years of writing on Casting Across and put them onto one page. So, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday are new posts, new articles, but then I have pages on the website. And I use those to kind of catalog information and share things in a very organized manner. So definitely check that out. Uh, The uh, new Fly Fishing Book article links to the page. If you are on a desktop, it's going to be on the right-hand side below the podcast listing, below the uh, small stream fly rod reviews, and below the general reviews that I have on the website. So Fly Fishing Books, I'll update it. And if you have book suggestions, please pass those along. I've got a handful of book suggestions. Or if you've written a book or uh, you have a book you want me to read, then let me know. I'd be happy to check it out. Add it to the pile. I have four distinct piles of books, and one of them is almost exclusively fly fishing related. And so I try to work through them all at a relatively uh, equal measure, but that doesn't always happen. But uh, this this time of year, I really get back into reading more fly fishing books. The other article this week is called Fish Live Under Things. Now, how to get there. So this is a very simple technique article that talks about casting underneath obstructions. You might say, I know how to do that. I do a bow and arrow cast. Well, without going into too much detail, if that obstruction is so low and you can't approach from an overhead trajectory and you try to move your fly rod off at an angle at like a 45 or almost even parallel with the water in order to make a bow and arrow cast, it is very difficult to get that pinpoint accuracy. And that's just one example. So I talk about four different techniques, um, some of which I don't think are particularly uh, helpful, but just because they are usable techniques, um, all the way to some that are different, but I think are actually your best bets at approaching uh, obscured fish because that's a challenge into itself. I mean, catching a fish is obviously kind of the goal, but getting to a fish that is hard to get to, there's a lot to be said for that. So check out uh, Fish Live Under Things, now how to get to them uh, on uh, on castingacross.com. This week's recommendation, I'm actually just going to uh, echo what Timothy said. Uh, my boys have had Down by the River, written by Andrew Weiner and illustrated by April Chu. 
they've had that for a few years. The, the dust jacket is all all wrinkled up, but it is a great book, and it is the kind of book that will get uh, them fired up to go fishing. It's a good book that uh, you can pass on to not just your kids, but your grandkids, but um, anybody uh, this coming uh, holiday season. We're actually drawing very near. I know that the author has been involved with uh, programs like the Mayfly Project, and I've seen these books popping up everywhere. The artwork is beautiful, and it's just a fun little book that kids of any age will enjoy. I know that uh, even my two-year-old, or he's not quite two yet, but uh, he he uh, gets into it when the boys pull it out and they point at the flies and enjoy uh, reading the book together and with us. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast in iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Thank you.